Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Somebody wise once said, don't judge someone because they sin differently than you. One of the biggest challenges we have is that we are always judging the people around us. We always believe that there's something we know better, something we can do better, and we're constantly judging the people that we meet, judging the people that we encounter. Ask yourself, how many times this week did you meet somebody and judge them based on what you saw? This week, I want to share with you a very powerful message, and that is how important it is to be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Everybody in life struggles. When you meet somebody else, it's so important to recognize the struggles that they are facing. Before you start judging them, put yourself in their feet. Put yourself in their place and ask yourself, how am I doing relative to them? Am I really that much better than them? Do I really know what their story is? Do I really know what they are facing? Unfortunately, we judge people because we don't know their story. But every single person has a story. Don't judge people before you truly know them because the truth about their story might really surprise you. This message is found in a very profound way in this week's Torah portion, where the Torah tells us at the end, after the flood, there was a group of people, a nation, who decided they want to build a tower of Bavel to rebel against God. And the Torah tells us that God descended to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And Rashi immediately explains, what does it mean God descended? God came down to meet them at their tower? Obviously, God did not need to come down in order to see their crime. He has a great view from his heavenly palace. What does it mean that God came down? God descended to see it? Rashi tells us to teach all future judges not to ever judge a person until they see the person's real insides and understand what they are experiencing. As parents, as friends, as colleagues, there are many times that we judge other people and we share our negative feedback. But the first thing we need to do, my friends, before we do that, is we have to come down from our positions to see that person's real reality and understand what they're going through. What is their battle? How are they doing? How am I doing? Like the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya chapter 30, that before you question someone else's struggles, ask yourself, how am I doing in my own struggles? For this, I want to share with you a very moving story which tells us about the importance of recognizing that every person has a different struggle. And sometimes that person's struggle may bring them to a much holier place than your own struggle. So don't judge them, accept them, and embrace them. And now open up your hearts for this beautiful story, which was told by Rabbi Shabtai Slavatitsky, who was the head Chabad Shliach in Belgium. He has a large congregation in Antwerp. And he's a respected rabbinical figure. And he said the following story. A few years ago, early in January, he got a phone call from a local business person in Antwerp who said, Rabbi, I must speak with you urgently. Very important to me. So sure enough, they met the next afternoon in the Chabad house. And as he arrived, the rabbi looked at him and noticed that he doesn't really know him. He vaguely recognizes him, but doesn't really know him. He, the rabbi had a memory about a few years prior when he began to host Shabbat afternoon gatherings in the Chabad house. And this gentleman began to attend. The rabbi also remembered that earlier in the year, not that long ago, 
At this weekly gathering, the rabbi spoke very strongly about the importance of observing Shabbat, and this man seemed to really take it to heart. Sure enough, the man sits before Rabbi Slabotitsky, and with his eyes looking downwards in great embarrassment and humility, he says, Rabbi, I have fallen very, very low. I have to find a tikkun, a rectification, a way to make up for what I've done. What happened? The rabbi asked. The man squirmed on his chair and began to say the following story. Surely you remember, Rabbi, that a couple of months ago I decided to finally close my shop on Shabbat. I own a jewelry business. And even though I make the most money on the weekend, I decided to close my store. And the beginning was very difficult, but after a month, I began to really enjoy it. I felt the joy and the pleasure of spending time with my wife and children, of going to synagogue, of studying Torah. All of a sudden, I began to connect with my truest self. Everything was unbelievable. But Rabbi, unfortunately, everything just changed. Let me tell you, Rabbi, what happened. You see, this past Shabbat was a very, very big Shabbat, a very big weekend here in Belgium. In fact, in the world of the jewelers, this is called the weekend of the year. You see, this is the time when shortly before the holiday, non-Jews from all over Belgium and Holland come to buy jewelry and presents for the holiday gifts, and they spend a significant amount of money. All jewelry stores owners here in Belgium turn tremendous profits on this Saturday. Now, of course, I didn't even think about opening the store. I made a firm decision that I am now going to keep Shabbat. But Rabbi, after services were over, I decided to take a little walk just to enjoy the beautiful weather and the crisp winter air when I found myself without even attending to on the heart of Pelinkent Street, which is the location of a heavy concentration of dozens of jewelry stores here in Antwerp. And Rabbi, without even realizing what I was doing, I found myself walking by my own store. The shutters were down, the doors and the gates were locked tight. And I noticed that the two stores at either side of mine were brimming with people. There were even lines of people stretching along the sidewalk, waiting to get in. The display tables were filled with a large variety of jewelry, and people were pulling out thick wads of cash from their wallets. And I was thinking to myself, Look at all these sales being made, earrings, rings, necklaces, so much merchandise being sold over a five, six hour period while my store is sealed shut. By tomorrow, this opportunity will be long gone. Maybe I'm making a mistake. At that moment, Rabbi, I began to feel chest pains around my heart. I breathed deeply. I tried to relax. And then I noticed that the neighbor, the neighboring store, the owner saw me and he ushered me into a store. He said, what's going on? Why is your store closed today? The biggest day of the year. I said, don't you know? I decided to keep Shabbat. Oh, he looked forward. He leaned forward and he said to me, listen, you know, we've been friends for a long time since we were kids. I don't want to offend you. But this is, after all, the most important day of the year. Give God all the other 50 Shabbats. Take this one for yourself. He'll understand you. He'll agree. I didn't know what to say. I wanted to answer him. I didn't know how. I felt very confused. My mind was split down in the middle and I felt a tremendous battle within me to open or not. Open just for this one Shabbat, just for a few hours, rake in large profits, give charity, and afterwards I'll close for the rest of the Shabbats of the year. Maybe not. I didn't know what to do. At that moment, I suddenly felt the spirit of holiness, a determination to go home and celebrate Shabbat with my family. No, I will not open this door. And sure enough, I rushed home. And when I walked in, I saw the Shabbat table set beautifully, my silver kiddush cup and my wife's silver candlesticks providing a special atmosphere. Some of the food was already on the table. 
My family took their places waiting for Kiddush. Rabbi, I wanted to make Kiddush and start the meal right then. I wanted to enter the world of Shabbat and forget about everything. I thought I won this battle. But then I realized I was overconfident. As I was standing there, holding the Kiddush cup in my hand, the vision of the packed stores refused to leave my eyes. The thick wads of money and the jewelry on the display tables were dancing before me. Rabbi, I couldn't handle it. My heart started pounding wildly. My head was spinning. I stood next to the table, unaware of the worried glances of my wife and children. I saw nothing except money, jewelry and sales. I lost control of myself and I was afraid I'm gonna run to the store. Rabbi, and here he began to cry as his face turned red and he said, Rabbi, I'm so embarrassed to tell you what I did next. I snatched up the bottle of vodka that was on the shelf right next to the table. I ran out of the room. I went into my bedroom. I shut the door behind me. I poured myself a full cup of vodka and I drank it. And then I poured another cup and I drank it. And another, and another. And after a few minutes, I collapsed on the bed in a deep slumber. Rabbi, maybe it's hard for you to accept what I did and I'm so embarrassed to tell this to you. But you have to understand that my entire past, my entire life, until a month ago was pulling me towards the store. It was my education, all my values was based on succeeding in business and making a lot of money. It was an irresistible need. It was like an addict. There's no way I could avoid it. All I could do was get drunk and go to sleep. I have no idea, Rabbi, how long I slept and I woke up. I was completely at ease. A wonderful feeling wrapped around me, a feeling of victory. I left the bedroom, I returned to the dining room table. There were some leftovers there. My wife and children were sitting on the sofa. And when my wife came, she said to me, do you wanna make Kiddush now? I said, it's too late, I gotta run and pray the afternoon service. Let me make a quick Kiddush. I washed my hands, I made a blessing. I recited the after blessing and I left the house. Rabbi, I'm here today to ask for forgiveness, to ask for a way to fix this terrible thing that I've done. I know my family will forgive me for what I did to their Shabbat meal, but what about God? How can I settle my account with him? I feel like I profaned the Shabbat by getting drunk and skipping the Shabbat meal. I came to you to ask you, how can I atone for this terrible abuse of Shabbat that I did? My friends, as he finished speaking, he was shocked to notice that the rabbi was crying tears coming down his eyes. His beard was wet and soaked from the tears. What happened, Rabbi? Please excuse me. Did I say something that hurt you? Did I offend you? Is it too late? Is there nothing I can do? And now, my friends, open up your heart as the Rabbi turned to this Jew and said, my dear friend, my holy Jew, you didn't hurt me at all. The reason why I'm crying is because I'm so deeply moved because as you were speaking, it dawned upon me to reflect on my own Shabbat lunch. True, I sat at the table and I made the blessings and I sat there with my children, but it was just another Shabbat lunch. It was just more of the same. My heart wasn't in it. I didn't feel that level of joy and connection. But your Shabbat, your Shabbat, drinking those cups of vodka to overcome that own inner struggle, that own battle. Do you know how many tough choices you had to make to make it to that place? You can just imagine the great storm in heaven that your Shabbat has created. Yours was a real Shabbat. So much holiness, so much purity. No, my friend, you don't have to fix anything about the Shabbat. Those of us who grew up keeping Shabbat need to learn from you because your battle is what brought you to the greatest heights. Instead of judging you for drinking that vodka and getting drunk on Shabbat, I am recognizing the struggle you faced and realizing that in a sense, your Shabbat was even greater than mine. This, my friends, is the end of the story, but I hope the story is only the beginning. It's a great reminder that when you meet somebody who's in a struggle, don't judge them. Recognize that their struggle may be bringing them to even a higher, greater place than you may be 
in your own life. This is Rabbi Zalman Techtel.